Hello, and welcome to the Doers and Shakers podcast, soft place to land for hardcore visionaries, the pioneers paving the way, doing and shaking, getting all of the things done. I am extra excited about this episode today, and I think you will be too. Thanks so much for listening. As always, this is episode 16 of the Doers and Shakers podcast. I'm incredibly excited to say that since starting the podcast, it has run very successfully in the sense that not only have I had tremendous amount of wildly inspiring guests on the season and last, but that I have personally been so fired up to keep this thing going. I had no idea the direction that I would be driving and how long this would play out. I just knew that I needed to get the stories out there of the people doing and shaking and doing incredibly wild inspiring forward movement things in New England and beyond. So thanks for always listening and sharing the content and popping in with questions for the guests that are coming on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. It's for you. It's for you guys. I do hope that you find deep inspiration from each and every episode and that all of the guests that I've brought on are igniting some form of a fire inside of you to get on with your day and do and shake with the things that you want to do. So not only have I been in the wedding and photography industry for the past 11 years, but I've been dipping my toes slowly, but with lots of gumption in the branding and business world. So if you're looking for headshots or for photographs of your business or what you're doing day to day, doing and shaking as a business and entrepreneur, hit me up. Let's chat. Let's collaborate on a photo session to upgrade your social media, your Instagram, and your website. I would love to link arms with you and help grow your business. So with that little plug, let's switch over. Let's get on with it. Today, I have Brianna DeSanctis. She is hiking, walking, conquering all of the magic, the American Discovery Trail. It's over 5,000 plus miles. She's going to be trekking through 15 states. It's going to take her on average about a year. She, and this is what I'm the most excited about, she will be the first woman to do this solo. That is incredible, honored, proud, and super fired up to have her on my podcast is an understatement. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. She has a lot of goodness, a lot of little nuggets of inspiration. And so without further ado, episode 16. All right, guys, I have here with me Brianna DeSanctis, as promised. I'm very excited to bring her on at the hang session. This episode to me is going to be extremely exhilarating. Sounds over the top. Sure, maybe, but not to me because I have been reading about her, reading everything she writes, following along, watching her lives, and I'm over the moon ecstatic, and I think that you all will be as well. She is inspiring and incredibly fulfilling to hear about, read about, and talk to. So without further ado, here she is. What's up, Brianna? Hey, Hannah. How are you today? 
I'm doing so well. How was that intro? Were you like feeling like there's spotlights zigzagging at you now? <laughs> I'm all pumped up right now. I'm so jazzed. <laughs> <laughs> I always sound like I'm introducing someone to come down to the ring or something. <laughs> I got my gloves on, ready to go. Well, thanks so much for being on here. You're like quite literally out there. Where are you right now? I am in Maryland right now. How is the weather? The weather is, well, you know, for somebody like me who's used to being in colder temperatures in New England, this weather is pretty good. I feel like, I don't know what the temperature is right now. I can't see a thermometer from where I am, but it's, uh, I feel like it's probably in the 30s. Amazing. All right. Set the stage for us, everyone listening, kind of like, where are you and what are you seeing and like, where are you at? So right now I'm sitting on a bench, actually, uh, not in the wilderness. I am sitting on a bench at a hostel and I am very comfortable out here. There's a nice porch in front of me, some wooden furniture, and the hostel inside is very spacious. They have bunk rooms, they have uh, private rooms, and it's, 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 it's a really nice place to be. So here I am, I'm going to go hiking today. I've been averaging about 16 or more miles a day, depending on what I'm doing. And uh, I'm not going to carry my full pack today. I'm just going to do what they call slack packing, where I just carry the my lunch or whatever I'm going to need for the day. And then the caretaker of the hostel will pick me up and shoot me back later. So it gives me a later start and I can still do the same amount of miles because I'm carrying less weight on my back. That's incredible. That's amazing. So I love that you have in what could feel like an incredible trip without any control, there are moments and days where you have a little bit of control of your day. There, there definitely is. And you, it's kind of up to you as a person to take control of your day, because if you don't, I mean, there's plenty of support out there, but you kind of like, there's so much support out here right now for, for personally, for me anyway, that um, I'm fortunate to know a lot of people and they will, definitely they they've been helping me extraordinarily it's been it's been crazy like I can you know people things that I don't even think about that I that I would do to make my own hike easier like slack packing when I was on the Appalachian Trail I never slack packed I but that was part of my mission there I didn't I wanted to carry my backpack the whole way this trail's very different it's much longer I'm trying to finish this thing and I don't want to get injured so it's it's a uh, it's good to have options. So definitely being able to control your miles and your pack weight and having the support to do that is a blessing. Yeah, definitely. And because where you are, it's not just all this wooded path hiking through it's rail trails, highways, footpaths, you know, you're, you're trekking through a lot of different places. I think when, you know, I first heard about your journey and probably a lot of people, when they just see, you know, you're hiking through 5,000 plus miles, in my mind, I, I picture, you know, you're in the woods and you don't have these places to zigzag and out of. Um, so you have options to, you know, meet people along the way and plan things and, and stay in hostels. And I would imagine that makes it so enriching, not only just meeting that amount of people, and all the interesting things that you're going to see, um, but different every single day. It really is. And the, the one thing I'll, I will tell you about the, uh, what you said about, you know, the trails, as far as I'm, I am walking on a lot of highways and, and paved roads is that basically with the weather as of late, I mean, 
I'm not just like hiking through snow on trails all the time. This is like Frogger on ice, you know? This is like black ice all over the place. You're dodging cars. These people aren't paying attention to what they're doing. They're not looking out for you. They're not looking out for themselves. So you kind of have to really, you have to be assertive. And Maryland has some of the worst and most aggressive drivers I've ever seen in my entire life. Nicest people, but they really suck at driving. <laughs> and did I read somewhere there's no guidebook or physical map for this trail? There are. There, um, the, there are, and the American Discovery Trail Society exclusively puts out these maps. So you go through the society, you buy them on their website. Um, however, they are GPX files, so you can upload them to a GPS app that you've downloaded on your phone. And they also have turn-by-turn -turn instructions, which I've reformatted and printed out safe paper and I try to use those mostly when I'm in town just because if I'm making a lot of turns it's, it's easier to look and see what I'm doing but they're compared to what I'm used to on the Appalachian Trail there is no easy way to do this and with a trail of this magnitude it's almost impossible to like memorize the whole thing or memorize even you know, if you're walking in town, it's hard to memorize all the turns you're going to take for that day. So I'm kind of like getting lost a lot when I'm in town and backtracking, especially if I'm like really like into what's going on around me and taking in the sights or, if, you know, listening to music. And that's, that's a, yeah, that can be a problem sometimes. So I've, I've actually hiked quite a few extra miles just backtracking because I've been lost. <laughs> How do you feel about getting lost or needing to backtrack? Like, do you have anxiety? Like you have your eye on the prize or are you just kind of like, now we're going to go with, with the flow day to day. No, there's no anxiety involved. It's just kind of like, well, I missed that turn about three quarters of a mile ago. I guess I got to turn around and walk back. And then, you know, you just turn around and walk back and it, and it kind of sucks, but you're like, whatever, you know, it happened. You just have to get over it. It's, you, the, you know, you get a lot of moments of just awesomeness, but there also are a lot of moments of struggle too and you just have to take them both and, and realize that you know you're doing something awesome you're getting rewarded and it's not going to come without hardship mm, definitely and so what day are you on right now uh today is the 19th of january so today is day 19 this is why i started my um through hike on the first of january so at least for the first month i could tell you what day I'm on. <laughs> and you were saying it's like about a year that this whole thing will take, right? I think so. I think it's going to take me more than a year just because of what I'm doing while I'm hiking. I'm not just hiking. I'm doing a lot of work as well. That's amazing. And what kind of work are you doing? Well, I write a column for a local Maine newspaper, the Daily Bulldog. My column is called America on Two Feet. I write that once a month. And I also blog on a website called thetrek.co, founded by Zach Davis, a, a thru-hiker. And he uh, has quite a few bloggers on that site. It's a very widely read um, hiking website. So I write for them when I can. And I'm actually, today I was in the process of writing my first actual on-trail blog for them. I've written quite a few already, but it's just in preparation for my hike. So I tend to write about other things, but and then on top of everything else, I'm writing a book about my journey. And uh, yeah, and uh, so yeah, and then other than that, I will be speaking at uh, different communities and schools. And I'm actually probably going to be judging a pageant <laughs> pretty soon. <laughs> it's so crazy. People invite me to do the weirdest stuff. I'm like, okay. But my philosophy is this, always say yes to everything on the trail. 
Oh, I love that so much. Okay. I feel like there's so many things we have to unpack in what you just said. So <clears throat> first, as you're writing these, um, I've, so I've checked out the different websites that you're writing for and writing on and your own writing. Are you just finding like laptops, having access to computers as you go, just like how you can bang out the writing or what does that look like for you to get these written pieces in? Well, so today I'll be exclusively working from my phone because my laptop is in the mail somewhere. So I have a laptop that I send ahead and I'll send it to whatever town I believe that I might be stopping in next based on if there is a motel where I can stay or time-wise, you know, is it going to be far enough ahead that I have a good chunk of things to write about and, or is my deadline coming up? So it's a good time to get it out, but not like too, too early, you know, cause I want it to be kind of up to date. So I send my laptop ahead and the first time I sent my laptop ahead, I beat it to the post office by walking there. So I'm kind of like thinking more along the lines of, I guess I got to start sending it further ahead, but I do that. And then I will uh, either hike into town and try to get there early enough to like, just make check-in at like three or so. And then I'll have like the rest of the afternoon to write. And then I don't have to take a whole day off. I can just leave in the morning and go back and get out on the trail. So nice. Awesome. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed anything that you've written. I like for me to read a lot of things. I'm all over the place. I get distracted. Anytime I pick anything up that you've written or I'm on my phone or anything like that, your descriptive writing is incredible. I have to tell you that. And it's funny. Like you're fun. I find myself laughing at anything that you're writing. I was just reading your um, hitchhiking 101 and just reading a little bit of the psychology behind hitchhiking. And I feel like I can hear you like saying those things. Um, so I love that. So anyone listening, I am going to like plug in in the show notes where you can find her, where you can catch some of her writing. And I highly encourage it. So even if you're not a hiker, even if you're not into hiking or not going hiking, there's so much to read that she writes that's inspiring. Um, and I do want to get into like some hitchhiking talk, but that's on my notes for in a minute. So we're going to put a pin in that and we're going to go off trail for a hot second because I need to know about this pageant and how you, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> so I don't know a whole lot about it myself, which makes this even more fun. So the West Virginia state coordinator of the American Discovery Trail, Sharon Weekly, contacted me last night and I think it was last night and she had said, you know, because we had talked before about me possibly whenever I get there to judge this pageant and it's some local pageant. I think it's, it's, I don't think it's a beauty pageant. I think it's more of like a youth pageant uh, encompassing uh, young women who have maybe excelled academically and in the arts within school, things like that. And I think that that's kind of along the lines of what that is, because when I was 12, I was in a preteen main scholarship and recognition program and I'm kind of thinking that this is what kind of like what that might be so she asked me it's it's not until later on in February so chances are I could be I don't know where it is but I could be beyond there at the time I have no idea but um basically they I would be on a panel of judges and they don't want anyone from around the area so they want you to be completely unbiased so I would kind of be the perfect person to do this maybe yeah absolutely I also love just hearing you talk. You're like talking, like, it must feel so free that you're like, I might be there. I might not. I don't know where I'll be. Like, that's got to feel incredible, right? It, it really is. Cause you're just, you're a hundred percent winging it all the time. 
Mm -hmm. I love it. I'm so envious of that. So I want to swing back around to talk about you writing a book and, and some things that you've written, but I, I think that we should backtrack a little bit and talk about 2015 when you flew to Georgia and you hiked the whole app trail all the way back to Maine. And, and I, I'm quoting you here. You, you said you felt like a changed human and that you would spend the rest of your life thriving in a different way than others. So first tell us about the Appalachian trail and then how, in what ways did you feel changed after that? The Appalachian trail was a, was definitely the first love I had when I was on a big hike, you know, I, I, and, and to tell you the truth, I never realized how much I love hiking and I never realized how much I hate hiking at the same time when I was on the Appalachian trail, even, even my friends now, we, we were, I was hiking with one of my friends uh, the other day, she came and joined me for a day, a day on the trail. So we were talking about it and we were like, we really actually hate hiking. We're just looking forward to the end of the day when we can go to camp and then do a bunch of work and fall asleep. So it's not <laughs> like, but the Appalachian Trail was great. I met so many awesome people and you meet somebody like you might stop in at like a lean to to have your lunch and somebody's sitting in there and you'll talk for like five minutes and then you'll both hike on your little merry way separately. And then you see them like five or six states later and you're like, Oh, you know, you're like, Oh, so-and-so, Oh, what's up. And, you know, then you'll hike together for a day or whatever. And that might be the extent of all the interactions you've had over the six months of your entire through hike. But you might stay in touch with that person. And when you do and you see them again, it's like you've shared this bond where you've gone through this struggle together and you've you've hiked through all this weather and you have the same goal. And, you know, you've been through a lot of things together, whether or not you're actually together or not. And so you form bonds with these people. So the people really are what makes the trail. Oh, I'm sure. And do you still keep in contact to this day with people that you've met along the way? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about, so hiking, your first like real big adventure, your first real love, really getting your toes in there and coming out of it and feeling as though you felt changed and that you were thriving in a different way. What does that process feel like when you got home and you start started unpacking your feelings and your emotions and just kind of what you went through? What is that like to hike? What was it like 2,189 miles or something? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so basically I didn't go home right after I finished my hike. I was walk. I got to Abel Bridge, which is just after you finish the 100 mile wilderness going northbound. And I walked to the store and on the door they had a sign that said, finishing your through hike, don't know what you're going to do, come work for us. And I was like, wow, this pretty much speaks to me. So I walked into the store, talked to the guy, and I said, I'll be back on Tuesday. I'm going to go summit Katahdin and go party in Millinocket for a few days, and then I'll be back. So that's what I did. So I went back to work at A-Ball Bridge in the restaurant and in the store, and I also uh, worked on the cabins. I, like They were putting stain on them. I just did a bunch of stuff around there. So I was there until the middle of October, which enabled me to actually meet the rest of my hiking class that was coming through that I never even knew, you know, people that I had met that, that were injured and had to take time off and got back on trail, people that were behind me that I never knew that had been following my little shelter logs the whole time. They're like, Rocky Mountain High? Oh, that's you? We thought you were a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm a badass female. <laughs> I was like, I'm better than that. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but, th- but that was really cool. So then I uh, went home for like two days or three days. And then I ended up on a road trip out, out. I went south and then I went out west and ended up in Colorado. So that whole like transition back into society for me was very gradual and that was a blessing to me because once it finally hit the it hits you pretty hard the letdown of not doing the same thing you're doing every day so as soon as I finished the AT and I got I was in Millinocket for a few days and then I went back to Abel Bridge to go to work I was running four miles a day just because I felt like I had to still be doing something like hiking wise or not, you know, just standing around. So that was interesting. Another thing I noticed. So when I first, the, probably the biggest thing I noticed was when I finally did stop back in my hometown for those few days before my road trip. And I met up with the same friends that I had been hanging out with right before I left. And I don't know what it was, but for some reason, I had this thought in my mind that when I came back, everything was going to change. Like people would be like different or like, I don't know what I was really looking back. I don't know what I was projecting, but I realized very quickly that I was what had changed. I, I was the one that changed. And it was just little things by noticing the negativity that people would use when they talked and realizing that that was actually something that was had go, been going on before, but I didn't notice because I was also a part of society. And then coming back into it, I definitely, you notice that you change because you're different. And I don't know how else to more clearly describe it, but that's exactly what it is. It's like when, when I walked into my mom's kitchen to uh, fill up my water bottle and all I had to do is turn on the sink I was like whoa this is really easy I don't have to hike a quarter of a mile downhill get water out of a stream hike all the way back up filter it so I can drink it and cook my food you know it was easy yeah I think a lot of people can relate to that you leave a hometown or you leave somewhere and you you kind of grow up and you leave a lot behind and then you come back and it's like this disappointing feeling of like almost like time has not changed for anyone around you, but you have been doing all these incredible things and living a big life. And it can feel a bit disheartening and like a pit in your stomach. I feel like I can relate to that in such a major way, like growing up in a small town. Um, And I totally understand everything that you've just said. And I've, I can't imagine, you know, hiking and doing such a grand adventure to like come back and just feel that time hasn't changed where you came from. Uh, physiologically too, like you mentioned, you know, you had to keep running every day to like, just keep your body like going. Um, and that probably pushed you to where you are now, right? Like you were like, okay, what's next? Like you tasted a little bit of what could be. And I would imagine that kind of like led you to planning the American discovery trail. What did you, what did you do in between then that led you up to where you are right now? Well, I did a lot of different things. I was I was very motivated to do to go on more trips. And with the Appalachian Trail, as much as I loved it, as much as I loved all the people, I also had been looking for a sort of solitude that I never actually feel like I got. And I got a lot of it, but I feel like I wanted to be pushed harder. So I just started going on a lot of solo trips. I would take nine days off from work every year and 
fly somewhere and go hike, go backpacking by myself and just take myself on a bunch of trips. It's a lot easier for me anyway, to go somewhere by myself because I feel like I do some things that are a little extreme and in extreme times of year, and it's hard to find reliable people to uh, go with. Plus, then again, there's also, you know, there also is a compromise when you have someone else with you. So I do most of the things I do, I do by myself. And I enjoy it. I always have a good time. I would imagine you're learning an incredible amount about yourself. What are a couple of things that you didn't know about yourself that you're finding out? Well, I'm way more badass than I thought, but I, but the biggest thing that I realize is like that I realize a lot more that when I see other people, that people just don't realize how badass they are. Mm. And it's like, it's so extreme. It's, it's just people, people don't understand like how much stronger they are. And, um, it's very disheartening to go back into society and see, see the way that it, it is now. And maybe it's because I'm getting older. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, cause you hear it and through generations, all the older people are like back when I was a kid, but I just feel like, you know, as far as being strong is concerned, people, you have it in you. you people just don't tap into it. And uh, I feel bad that people go their whole life without knowing that. Yeah. And that's exactly why you're on the hang session right now. I feel like you have some inside scoop and know the power that's, you know, anyone could hold. And that's why you're literally quite literally the definition of a doer and shaker and can inspire everyone around you. And I feel like now is a perfect time. You said something that I was reading recently and I wrote it down. Um, You said, I love my life and I want you to also love yours. I feel like that is such a simple statement, but it's also an incredibly large statement because you were just saying, you know, there's so many people that maybe haven't even tapped into their power yet or have no idea their full potential. And sometimes it just takes one person to tell their story. And it's a big reason why I'm having you on today to share what you're doing. And I'm hoping even just one person listening to this can be like, holy shit, like that is badass. And I can overcome X, Y, and Z, or maybe I should do this and that. And it's not so scary and it's going to be fine. Um, so I do, I do encourage anyone that's listening to this to go follow Brie and to find her page, Rocky Mountain High, find her on Instagram. I'll put everything in the show notes um, to just gain even a little bit of, of inspiration. If anything, your lives while you are on the trail are hilarious and they're motivating. I, I get so excited when I get notified that you're live because I'm like, I feel like I'm almost hanging out with you, but like I'm in my cozy robe with coffee and like my warm house and you're out there doing the thing. And I can live vicariously through you. (laughs) Um, So a few people um, sent me messages, some listeners of the podcast that had a couple questions. And I feel like this is a good time to kind of pop some in. Um, Okay. So someone wants to know, typically, what do you always have in your pack? Like, what are a few things that no matter what you have to have with you? So are we talking here just in general? I think we are. So there are quite a few things that I always keep in my pack. Um, I always keep my sleep system in there. I always keep all the normal stuff. You know, you need everything in my pack. I, I would like to say that everything that I have, I need. And everything that I need, I have. Mm. So you don't want to carry a lot of extras, but you do. You carry luxury items. And 
one thing I guess that, let me think, what do I always have in my pack? What's something really different that I always have in my pack? Well, one thing I always carry in my pack is a Sharpie pen because a, I like to use my own pen because it's, I learned that from the Appalachian Trail because you go to a shelter and they have a shelter log and there's a pen in there. And I'm like, how many people went poop and didn't use hand sanitizer and went and signed this shelter log after? And then <laughs> what I'm gonna do as soon as I sign the shelter log, I'm gonna eat some food. So I start packing my own pen. So even now when I'm, even on this trail where I'm not in that environment anymore, I've just like learned to always bring my own pen. Um, and I also always carry a compass just in case. Ooh. So there's two things. They're not so fun, but yeah, I carry a lot of other things too, but they but I don't always have them. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. A Sharpie. That's probably incredibly smart based on your description of, uh, who, what, where, when, and why with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another question that I found a little interesting is on whether, you know, we're speaking about this trail or uh, the Appalachian or anything that you've done. Have you had any crazy animal encounters, like seeing something or anything? Aside from the typical, you know, moose, deer, bunnies, things like that. Yeah. Um, well, I had, I guess, so I had this one encounter back when I was on the Appalachian Trail with a porcupine. And it wasn't like, I really learned how cute a porcupine was. They're really ugly, but they're cute. They look like little old men. And so I was walking along the trail and I was moving at a pretty good clip. And all of a sudden there's like this porcupine, bam, right in the middle of the trail, fat one. And they don't see very well, I don't think. So he like smelled me, of course, cause I smelled terrible. So he's like, gets up on his hind legs and he starts sniffing the air. And then he starts walking toward me. I was like, oh hell no. And he stopped. And I kind of made some noise and then he scurried away. And so I felt like it was safe to walk and he just like climbed right up a tree. But that was like a really close encounter with a porcupine, but it wasn't scary. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm walking, I have trekking poles, you know, I feel like I have kind of like, I can create like an area around me if I need to, to like ward off some things. But um, that I've seen like three bears back on the Appalachian Trail. The craziest thing I saw on the American Discovery Trail so far was a possibly rabid raccoon, but it didn't chase me down or anything. It just was sitting in the trail and I, it like walked away. So, I mean, I haven't really seen a lot of animals so far. On this trail, I've seen probably about a hundred deer. Um, and you can kind of sense them. I'll smell them first before I see them. You can kind of smell them and then, or you feel like something's watching you and you look around and there'll be a deer. So that's, that. it's nice, you know, it's cool to see animals out there. And um, other than that, I mean, when I see who, I think the best encounter on this trail is that, uh, so I'm trying to do this thing where I take little clips of every time I walk past a farm and there are horses or goats or animals and they walk up to the fence and they start like talking to me and stuff. So I'll stand there and I'll be recording and I'll look at them and I'll say, I'm walking to California and just get their response. And so I had these two horses the other day. It was like the best one. Unfortunately, I think I deleted it by accident, but I had these two horses and I walked up to the fence and they walked up to meet me. And I said, 
hey guys, I'm walking to California. And they both snorted and looked the other way. I was like, well, <laughs> I guess I'll just get out of here then. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. You're recording some of this, right? I heard you were talking about you want to do um, a documentary eventually with all of this footage, right? I would like to. I, I would like to. I, if I can get enough stuff, I've had uh, just here in the beginning, I've had a couple of issues with um, electronics, memory cards, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm I'm kind of uh, sorting that out now. So I'd be able to feel more free to capture whatever I want when I want, because that's also not only is that like great stuff to make a documentary, but when I am taking videos and like selfie videos, talking into my camera, which I never post online. Um, well, I will, but not uh, not like while I'm hiking. It's just kind of for me, I use it to write because then I can talk into my camera and I talk about how I'm feeling and things that happened that day and taking all the pictures. When I go to write, it helps me to remember all of that stuff, just like how it really was. Mm, I'm so intrigued by that. Do you feel like you're going to like get started immediately when you get off the trail, just like while it's fresh and everything is in your mind to start writing this book? Or like, what are you feeling about how your book's going to roll out? I've already started writing my book. Oh my gosh. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I've started writing it because I want to have as much as I possibly can, because it just gives me stuff to sort out later. Mm. And as far as, because I'm trying to find more creative ways to formulate this book and the more this trail shapes itself and shows me what the whole trend will be it'll be a lot easier to gauge that and the more stuff the more stuff I have the better it'll be absolutely and I feel like we're finally in the time where um you know like power of the female without sounding so cliche and like making it a thing right because females have always been incredibly badass and on the forefront of anything in life right but you're the you're going to be the first woman to walk this trail solo And I do feel like that is an incredible, I know you've heard it a million times, but like for other women to hear that and for me to even be talking to you right now, like you're setting this incredible path for all of us. And like, I know that that book will be desired and important and I'm excited for it. So I hope that you understand what such an incredible, powerful adventure that you're holding on to right now. And I'm sure that like, you don't care about, you know, the glory and the praises and the recognition and all the things, maybe, maybe not so much with the limelight, but, um, how does it feel when somebody else says like, you know, you're going to be the first woman to do something, literally the first woman to do this. Like, how does that feel? It uh, feels pretty good. It, it was something that I was kind of hoping that I could be. So I had to do a lot of research to to make sure that I wasn't going to be stepping on someone else's toes or whatever. And so the basically the the thing that is separating me from anyone else who has done this trail solo is that I'm actually following the official route of the trail and I'm not using the alternate routes. So basically, I I don't have a need to because I'm carrying a backpack. I can backpack all the trails. Whereas the other females who have gone solo on this trail have taken the alternate routes, which they've had to do because they pushed carts or a stroller, um, which people do that to carry more water or more items or to take the weight off of their back, you know, for whatever reason they choose. 
but um, that'll it'll be different in the way that I'm doing this. And uh, the other, the big, big one is that if I decide when I get to California that I will go back and hike the Northern route of this trail too, then I will be the first woman to ever complete the entire American Discovery Trail. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so there's only been one, one person to ever do that. And I'm fortunate enough to have in my possession his actual tent that he used. And so I will be whipping that out as soon as I get to a place where the ground thawed, is thawed. But yeah, so basically when people are saying, you know, you're going to be this and what you're doing is so awesome and this is so great. And I've heard it a million times, but the thing that really that that really resonates with me the most is that what what people are getting from this, because I'm doing this for myself, but I want everybody to take something else away from it. I want everybody else to be on this journey with me. If you're even if you're not right here, you know. So I want I want to show people what's going on, what I'm going through. I'm not trying to make it look easy. Do I make it look easy? I don't know. Do I? Um, you make it look desirable. That's for sure. I think the most thing that I get from because I read other people that are following you or or you know are watching you live. It's definitely not that it's easy because I think if anyone in their right mind stopped and thought about what you're actually doing, it's definitely like this wild adventure that's probably not super easy, but you are making it desirable, which I think is powerful because I can speak for myself when I say the thought of like throwing everything in a pack and not having a plan or a planner or my alarms going off or like feeling like I have to be doing X, Y, and Z as a 33-year-old female by the time I'm 35 or like any of that bullshit, that's desirable. And that is massive and powerful for any female to see and follow along with you. So every single time you go live and you're like, just walking along here, I'm just doing this today, or this happened to me, I do feel a sense of desired stronghold pull for people that are watching you. They're like, what is she doing today? I want to be doing that, but I'm like behind my desk and I have a lunch break at an hour that's controlled by somebody else. And then I have to go to the post office because my planner says, and you know, like all of that mundane crap that we just robotically do. So to answer your question, I don't know if you're necessarily making it look easy because it's not, I can't imagine it's even remotely easy at certain times. Um, but I feel like desirable is a better description because I know I'm only what, like 40 minutes into talking to you. And I feel like when this is over, I don't know what I'm going to do today, but I feel like I have to do something really cool and motivating. I don't know. I don't know if it's like, go for a run. I don't even run, but suddenly I feel like I should go for a run, but that's what you're doing. And that's, so huge. So anyway, probably desirable is a better description. Well, good. That's, that's good. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Which leads me to a question. Another listener popped in with a question. Um, what are some things to motivate you that keep you going? Like perhaps you have a day where you're like feeling like you maybe want to rest a little longer or you're questioning something like maybe you don't even have these days, but what are some things that motivate you to keep you going day to day? Rewards. Rewards are something that I never thought to ever use on the Appalachian Trail. And someone was talking to me and she said that every time she summits a mountain, she 
eats a starburst and that's like her reward you know that was when i was hiking the appalachian trail and i never thought to do anything like that because i was like well i'm just hiking might as well just hike through but it sometimes it's more or less like you know you break up the monotony i'm like oh wow i hit 200 miles today you know i'm gonna sit here and take a break or i'm gonna have my favorite dinner tonight you know um you just kind of you if you use a little bit of a reward system or you give yourself something to look forward to, or you make like a point, you see something cool for in the next day's hike on the map and you're like, oh, cool, I'm gonna hike to this and this is where I'm gonna take a break because it's gonna be pretty here. And then you have something to look forward to. So it's kind of like always making sure you have something good to look forward to and to push to that will, uh, that will affect you in a positive way. That makes sense. That makes sense. So then speaking of food, what are some of your favorite trail foods to eat? Like, what is the process for you when you're going to make dinner? What does that look like? And what are you, what are you enjoying the most? Well, I'll tell you right now that spam is hands down one of my favorite foods to eat on trail because, and I don't eat it right out of the packet and we're talking packets, not cans. So, um, I will take it out of the packet and these are on nights that I might have a fire. So if I have a fire, I'll heat up the spam on a flat rock and you get it nice and hot. So it's nice and crispy on the outside and spammy on the inside. And it goes with everything, pop it into a tortilla, put some cheese on that sucker, it's delicious. I can, um, I get into camp a lot of times, I'll just boil water in my jet boil stove and then I will make ramen or a backpacker meal or instant mashed potatoes and mix some like a packet of chicken breast in there with it or something. Nothing too glamorous, but I'm telling you what, you get creative out there. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. So I have on here the story about your tent and you actually just brought it up when you were talking about some things. And I think that it's an important story that you share. I know that I like enjoyed hearing that when you were sharing the story about the tent that you have on, on you. So tell us a little bit about this tent. So um, the tent that I have acquired for my trip, which is not the one I'm using right now, but um, so I, you're talking about the one that I got from um, from Miss Janet, right? Yes. So Miss Janet is a very prominent trail angel on the Appalachian Trail, and uh, she. So there. So the first, like I said before, there's only been one person to through hike the entire American Discovery Trail, and his name was Michael Daniel, and his trail name was Lion King. He was a big film person and so he liked to uh direct and produce uh movies and other things so he did a lot of you can find him on youtube uh he has all of his apple he's a triple crowner he has which is the appalachian trail pacific crest trail and continental divide trail he also hiked the john muir trail he probably i think the florida trail he's just he's hiked everywhere so he hiked the american discovery trail and um, documented that on YouTube. And uh, so fast forward to, and that was a, quite a few years ago, I believe. And so, but fast forward to um, after that, he ended up being diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I believe by watching his YouTube videos that the cancer had spread throughout his body. Well, Miss Janet had befriended him and they were very close and he ended up staying with her in Tennessee um, pretty much until he passed away which was about, which was this past summer. And so when I saw Miss Janet this summer, while I was doing trail magic in New Hampshire, 
uh, I, I told her that I had plans to hike the American Discovery Trail and, and he was the first person that she mentioned and uh, had told me that he had passed away recently. So um, I was on Facebook and I saw that Miss Janet had posted that she was uh, selling a tent. And so I messaged her about it and she was like, I didn't wanna sell it. And she told me that it belonged to the Lion King. And I, and this was after I told her, I said, I'll buy the tent. That's, that's exactly a tent that I was looking at to buy. And, you know, it wasn't full price. So I was like, perfect. And so she told me, she said, she's like, I think that's awesome because that tent should be yours. So um, I'm very honored to carry this tent. And it just makes me like feel so much more about it, like by watching his YouTube videos and, um, and you can actually see the tent in some of them because I was a little skeptical at first. I don't think she'd lie to me, but I was just like, it just seems a little too weird because I don't care either way. A tent is a tent. I just needed a place to be dry in, at night. And so, but yeah, so I got the tent and I'm just waiting for, um, waiting for the ground to thaw so I can, so I can have that. I'll probably use that more, more out West. That's incredible. I feel like just having it in your presence and like carrying it with you is like motivating in itself. It's like, he's with you. He's done it all. He's probably sending down his mute, his magic to you and <laughs> carrying you along, which is really cool. I love that story. I was like, I got to ask her about that. Cause I just think that's cool. It's just, I know it's just a little materialistic thing to be carrying, but there's so much meaning in it. And so I think that's really cool. So you'll definitely have to send me a picture the, the day that you pop it up so I can share it. <laughs> cool. um, I do want to ask, how does one mentally prepare to set out to trek for 5,000 miles? Like, what did you do to mentally prepare yourself? Like, what's something that you were, you were like, all right, I got to like work through this to ensure that I'm ready? Uh, well, as far as preparing yourself men mentally to be on a through hike, it's, that's for me is something that I already had because I already had the experience. I already knew what to expect. I already have the mindset of what you should, you know, I know what you should, how, in what way you should be thinking. Think for the worst. Always think that it's gonna suck and something terrible will happen every single day. Just expect the complete worst all the time. And it's not gonna be so bad. You don't even, when you think you're almost done for the day, tack on a couple miles, be like, you know, you have like three or four more miles to hike. You're like, yeah, it's another six miles. And then you get there and you're like, whoa, yeah, it's super early. Yeah, I have my whole day, you know? It's like you're kind of fake yourself out and you know it, but it's a good way to keep yourself positive. So it's like, don't don't be like, oh, I know I'm almost there, but you're not. Or, you know, look, look on the bright side. No, come to the dark side. It's going to help you. <laughs> and the hardest thing to prepare mentally was like, for me on this trip was just like knowing that I have to all the stuff that I had to do before I left for this hike. It's almost like you're planning to die. It's like close out my Netflix, you know, close my BJ's account, like gotta pack up my stuff, put it in storage, do all this stuff, you know, take the battery out of my truck, like all this, you know, you got to do all this stuff to prepare. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for the most part, do you feel like you had to prepare where you would be stopping, who is who and where they're going to be and how you're going to sleep in this place and that place? Or are, for, are you just kind of like rolling with the punches with who you know? I'm a planner, so I can, I can try and try and try to plan as hard as I want. 
but shit hits the fan the second you step on trail and nothing is going to be. So if it, if it helps you to make a plan, go for it, but just know that it's not going to be that way. (laughs) That's probably really good advice. Um, if, if anyone's listening to this and they want, they're like, okay, I want to start off small, or maybe they're perhaps they're interested in the Appalachian trail or any kind of hiking that is, you know, a big hike. What is your advice for them to get started? Like, where can they start? I would say I would strongly advise to pick up a copy of the book Appalachian Trials by Zach Davis. Zach Davis is actually the founder of the Trek website that I write for. Awesome. All right. That's really and good. That advice. book will give you a lot of good. That book really helped to set my mindset and solidify everything. And I, and I, it's, it's a great book to mentally prepare you. And as far as the physical aspect goes, take yourself on a few hikes. You know, if you don't have money to buy good gear at first, don't worry about it because you might not like hiking. You might decide this is not for you. And if it's not, don't push it. Or maybe it's like, you know, a food that you'd like to like, but you don't. So you try it again in five years, but you just go small at first and work up to it. Don't try to push hard because you're going to have a horrible time. You know, it can, you can ruin your own experience or you can have a great experience. You just have to know how to go into it. It's like, don't sabotage yourself. Mm. Don't sabotage yourself. Awesome. And so I feel like this is a good transition for people that are listening. Obviously, you're incredibly inspiring. Um, and what you're doing can be symbolic, not just, you know, the physical labor of conquering such an incredible adventure, but also spiritually, mentally, all of it. What would you say to someone that might be feeling like they want to pivot in life and they want to do something they hate what they're doing right now they're miserable and they want to just like move on and do something new what I feel like you're such a good person to be like what would you do like what's your advice cut the cord and go if you're not happy where you are go because you're only wasting your own time Hmm. so that's that's really my biggest advice for that if you're not if you're not happy where you are and you want to make a change figure out what you want to do, make a plan, you know, don't be stupid about it, set yourself up for success and move on. Just change it up. If you don't like it, get the hell out of there. Mm -hmm. So what's next for you then? Like, what do you feel like after this? What are you going to do? What do you want to do? I don't know. I'll probably take a walk around somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. See, that's the desired shit that I'm talking about. Like, I love that you can just be like, I don't know. I'll just take a walk around somewhere else. Like the power in that is incredible. It's such a simple statement. However, like digging into that is, is huge. Um, So not so deep in spiritual uh, and gushy mushy, but the psychology of, of hitchhiking. I find this fascinating. I was reading a little bit about you writing about hitchhiking and like do's and don'ts and the psychology of it right down to like wearing yellow. Um, talk about the craziest hitchhiking story that you have. So I think my favorite, oh, I have so many though. It's so hard. Um, <laughs> let's see. So one of the, one of the most, one of the most fun ones I had, which I think that I mentioned in my hitchhiking blog was uh, that I was living out in Colorado and I had my my uh, friend Sam from high school, he was a snowboard instructor and he ended up getting injured, had to have surgery. And so he had his surgery in this uh, at the town called Rifle 
Colorado. And so he had his vehicle and needed somebody to pick him up. So I ended up, I was living in Edwards, Colorado. So I ended up hitchhiking the, I don't know, it's like a couple hours, I think maybe drive to rifle to go pick him up at the hospital. And my last ride was this work truck with these like three or four Mexicans crammed in the front and, uh, and they were just leaving work. And so they picked me up and we all squeezed in there and they were all drinking beer in there. So I made them stop at the store and I bought forties for everybody and we were drinking beer and they dropped me off at the hospital and I popped in a piece of gum and went in. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. I love that. If you, if you're interested in hiking or you are a hitchhiker or if you've done any of the things to get where you're going via thumb, um, definitely check out some of her, her writing about the hitchhiking. So I found it interesting to read. It's a short, quick read, but it's, it's a good one. It's rich. It's rich. So uh, Brianna, will you set the stage for us for what the rest of your day and night is going to look like? So for anyone listening, it's Wednesday, it's 10 a.m., And Brianna has been super awesome to pause before she gets on trail to record this for us. So I feel like describe to us what it's going to look like for the rest of the day and the night for you. So today it is right now overcast and a little gloomy looking out there. I don't think we're going to get any weather, but I am going to start out by walking out of this hostel down a steep hill, uh, bushwhacking back onto the trail where I got off of the trail yesterday. And I think my calculations are about, and I can't remember what the name of the place is that I'm going, but I'm going about 15 miles today because I am in a place, I'm on a place on trail where since I'm going to slack pack today and have the hostel caretaker pick me up and bring me back to the hostel, I need to be in a place where I get out so he can pick me up. So there has to be a road. So there are a lot of places that don't have roads. So it was either like, I'm going to do a 10 mile day, which is too short, or I am going to do a 30 mile day, which is a hell no from me and not, not to not starting out late, you know? So if I started out at like 6am, I'd be like, yeah, 30 miles, but I'm not, I'm not going to do like a ton of night hiking because I get tired at night and I want to sleep. So I'm going to just hike to this place where there's a road and he can pick me up when he gets out of work. And then I'm coming back here and probably we might go to the store and we'll get something to, to make for dinner here and, um, and have dinner. There's only one other guy staying here at the hostel right now. So there's a total of three of us, including the caretaker who is a friend of mine. So it's uh, pretty cool that I'm going to go to sleep tonight, wake up tomorrow, and I will have to get a ride. I'll pack my pack fully up and I will have to get a ride with him to the place where he picked me up today, where he picks me up today. And then I'll continue on from there. And I've got some, I've got uh, one of my really good hiker friends uh, joining me. My ride or die is joining me for a weekend hike this weekend. So I think that that'll be really fun. And it, the best part is, is he gets it. So he's like, I said, well, where do you want me to meet you? What do you want me to do? And I'm kind of like stressing out because I feel like now I have all these restrictions and I have to be somewhere at a certain time. And I'm like starting to not like to do that. And he's like, don't worry, just let me know where you are and I'll make it work. I'm like, you are perfect. (laughs) Absolutely. I feel like anyone that's in and out of your life has to probably be like on the fly or flexible because of, of your lifestyle currently. Hannah, I am a rolling stone that gathers no moss. I love that. 
literally I write everything you say down like that probably has to go in my next post <laughs> that shit's so good oh my gosh it has been such a pleasure talking to you I'm incredibly inspired I know anyone listening to this is incredibly inspired there's a lot of people waiting for me to hit publish on this episode as well you must keep me updated I'm probably going to be that annoying person popping into your inbox like where are you what did you do today <laughs> I can't wait maybe maybe we can set something up so in a couple months we'll do another one I'd, I'd definitely be down for that hell yes I was actually going to ask you I feel like this has to be part one part two must be about like the midway and then we have to wrap it up when you're done all of this and you have so much juiciness to tell us because hell yes all to that 100% we have to chat about that absolutely all right well hey thank you so much again we all appreciate what you're doing and we're all behind you girl power and all that shit. Thanks for sharing all of the things with us today. Thanks so much, Hannah. All right. Well, how about that? That was awesome. Thanks so much. Shout out to Brianna. Good luck on your day. Good luck on the next like 5,000 miles. We will all be following along. I can't wait to have you back. Keep following along, guys. We're definitely going to catch up with her when she's like midway. And then again, when she's done, I want to hear all of the things and I'm sure you do as well. So I'm going to attach in the show notes where you can follow her, how you can get in touch with her, all of the things. She's incredible to follow. I highly recommend jumping on the Rocky Mountain High Facebook page. That's her. That's her trail name, Rocky Mountain High. Shout out. Thanks again. It was incredibly inspiring and we all appreciate you. We love you. We're proud of you and we're behind you, Brianna. Do it. Do it all and share it with us. I will be picking up a copy of your book someday and I truly believe that things will get out there with what you're doing. It's all so important. You're amazing. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 16 of the Doers and Shakers podcast. If you liked what you heard today, there's so much more coming your way and incredible past episodes that you can catch. Follow along on Instagram, doers.and.shakers, or find us on Facebook, Doers and Shakers. Hit subscribe or follow so you can get notified for the next episode. And I will see you out there. Thank you.